One billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Whatever it is this new era of adventurers and heroes is looking to discover, they'll have to dig through the imprinted echoes of the past to find it. Hello, and welcome to Imprinted Echoes, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. My name is Zan, and I'll be your GM. Thank you for joining us today. As always, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. As I mentioned last time, we will once again have a shorter episode for you this go-around. It's also a bit of a sillier episode, but we're hoping to set the stage and cleanse your palate, as it were, for the more serious content to come. And it's my hope that you'll enjoy it regardless. We pick up with the group as they reach the center of Rhapsody in hopes of traveling home. But before they can do that, they'll have to figure out how to ensure their safe passage and deal with whomever is on their tail. Answers are sought, existences are contemplated, and old tricks are employed. Join us as Nehemiah, Smallren, and Jory plan their journey back home. It's a little bit slower going than when the three of you were first here, but you make it to the edge of this centered area, and you once again have to make that three tritoned noise to essentially unlock this barrier. Each of you holding out a tone in harmony. You open it up and begin to usher everyone through. And just as you do, you hear a screech behind you as cyclic raiders are bursting through the edge of the dead zone and heading your way at an incredible speed. What would you like to do? Get inside and shut the door? Yeah. Can we do that quickly enough? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You... Get inside and essentially relock <laughs> or stop making that intonation behind you. Slam the door, put a bench up against it, move an armoire. Mm-hmm. Bookshelf. Barracks. <laughs> For some reason, there's a chair that's the exact height of the handle. Nobody yes. knows how that always works. <laughs> and the sounds around you are deadened a bit. The things that you heard from the outside, that screeching and yelling is deadened a bit, but you can still hear it, and it's getting closer. They're probably going to try to break through this area. Rude. But you have a bit of protection now against that. Mm-hmm. All of the intelligent sounds are kind of in awe of where they are. A lot of them are having very emotional responses, knowing that this is where it all started. This is where they were taken from. This is where they started their journey. And you hear the tritone voice of Eidos, Nick, and Atarshi call out to you. You've, You've made, made it. it! Yes. And we have pursuers. Yeah, I can hear that. I know, I just wanted to emphasize it a bit. What's our next move? The dream machine. That'll tell us how to get out. You hear the equivalent of Nick patting his sides <laughs> and pockets. Um, who had it? I left it with one of you. Although the three of them are kind of like <laughs> Combined, They still have, like, their own individual voices to some extent. And Eidos goes, Nick, that joke was bad the first time you did it. 
<laughs> hands over the dream machine. Nicholas. I think my favorite part of that is the sounds of him patting down a non-existent <laughs> physical form. Yep. I'm just picturing like Nick somewhere in the ether making those sounds with his mouth. <laughs> yes, essentially. <laughs> All right. I pop the dream machine in on however it works in this dimension. I think you decided it was kind of like a mask. Yeah. Like something you put over yourself. Right. And connect into the data sphere. Has Nehemiah ever connected in any way with the data sphere whatsoever? Not in a meaningful way. I imagine he's used like terminals or something in the past, but he's sure. never done a brain upload. This is a lot. From the outside, what you all hear is almost as though Nehemiah has nearly fallen asleep. Like breathing slows. His sound pulls in a little bit, not to the point of passing out and actually sleeping, but this kind of like that in-between state, a semi-conscious existence. And Nehemiah, you are overwhelmed with information. Millions and billions of voices, of images, of feelings, senses, sounds, tastes, emotions flooding your mind at once. And it continues like that until you're able to focus a little bit and you come up with the single question you would like to ask the data sphere. What is it you would like to ask? How do I reconnect this space to the place that we know as the Gong to bring ourselves and the residents home? The flood of information slows, almost like a river that has been cut off. It doesn't stop immediately, but the flow peters off until it's just a small steady stream, and then eventually one answer comes to you. It comes to you in an image. A small box. A box that is silver in color that has etched areas around the side, almost like a puzzle cube. That is, in your mind's eye, twisted and turned and pieces are taken out and put back in and moved around in space. And as that happens, you see a line being connected between two points. Uh -huh. And those two points are almost labeled, not in terms of like letters, but like almost pictograms. And you clearly see like a sound wave symbol connected to a circular orb that is hovering over a city. Uh -huh. And the box is grabbed and brought into view in front of a cyclic raider. This is a device that they have, that cyclic raiders have, that are able to <sighs> transport people and connect them between dimensions. I knew I should have searched that body. I mean, it was a sound, okay. but... <laughs> and as you come back out of this state, the sound that was that dream machine mask fades away and is no longer. Well, got bad news and, and better news. Bad news, we gotta fight. Good news is, once we do, that's it. The Cyclic Raiders, they've got, it's like a cube thing that lets them do the dimension hopping that they do. We can use that to get us back home. But we got to go back out there and we got to fight them. I don't know. Did I get the impression that one would be enough? Yes. All right. We just got to get one. Well, in that case, do we need to fight them? Or do we need to let a single one inside and then close the door again? That was my thought. 
That's a much better idea. We just need to get everybody else to put their effort into closing the opening as soon as we open it. We do have a well-trained choir with us. That's true. Adarshi speaks up. The barrier is a bit cumbersome to deal with. It's not a particularly fast-moving thing. So there is a chance that it won't be as quick as you would like it to be, even if you do have a large number of people operating it. That's not to say that this isn't worth it. But just be aware. More of them might enter than you are hoping for. Well, some is better than all, unless anybody else has a better idea. No, I got nothing. As you all are debating how to deal with this, the screeching and yelling sounds from outside have become more prevalent. But then in the middle of that, you hear something else. A voice just screaming, Yields! Yields? It's Delamin's voice. Delamin. Oh, I forgot about Delamin. It sounds as though Delamin has run in to attack these things that are trying to get in. Well, uh, I guess we're all going outside again, aren't we? (laughs) At least we're getting him back. Yup. Before we do... Mm-hmm. I have a player intrusion that is called inspirational recall. You recall an important detail from a previous encounter, perhaps something you don't even remember noticing at the time that suggests a successful course of action for your current situation. So I would like to some detail about the cyclic raiders, some weakness, something that we could exploit that I noticed in possibly just in my time backstage before the concert. Mm hmm. Cyclic raiders, whenever approached by another sound, they tended to try to keep their distance as much as possible. They didn't particularly like standing close to any other intelligent sound from their bestiary log. Cyclic raiders avoid direct engagement and are experts at dodging incoming attacks. What I will say is that if you can get up close to them very quickly before they can make that dodge, you have a better chance of hurting them. They are much more likely to try and engage in ranged attacks than anything melee. Okay. I will convey that to the others. Also, whatever the bounds of this space are, if there's, say, another room or a closet, perhaps, that the rest of the group could hide in while we have to open the door, if they have ranged attack weaponry, they may have a ranged way of siphoning intelligent sounds. Edos says, we can keep them safe for a time. It won't be forever, but if you are able to make this happen quickly, we can shield them. I will give you four rounds of shielding from the Tritone. I will say, I think the phasing idea could be useful. Considering- I was thinking that. Considering they're currently trying to break through this barrier, if you phase through directly to them, you'll be right up in their space. They won't have time to get away from you. Exactly. So perhaps you take this, and Smallrin's going to hand over the frilled ball poison claw, which if you can land a hit will deal 10 points of damage and, well, five points of damage and it reduces their speed. Which is important. Yes, with these. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do that. 
So yeah. Have Jory <laughs> as as much as Smallhorn's a little worried about sending Jory out to make the first attack. I'm ready. Be careful. <laughs> you all start making your plans, figuring out exactly how you would like to face off against the raiders and who knows what else is right outside this barrier, along with Delamon, who is making a show of you're not quite sure what. Ooh, okay, so I've got a claw. I can face. Wait a minute. Can I face with this claw? Wait a minute. Can I face with my clothes? Have I been naked a <laughs> lot more than I thought I had been? <laughs> I <don't... laughs> Honestly, was... this question should have come up a while ago. It really should have. <laughs> yeah. We've gotten... It's been over two years. How did it take us this long? There was a deleted scene in which Rufus <laughs> modified my clothes so they all surface. But before then, it was really awkward. We just don't talk about it. I mean, could it be a thing of you phase with everything that is on your person? You can't be like holding a larger item or holding on to a person. It has right. to be like on your body. I mean, so I'm going to, okay, yeah, it, it's from a Because like the staff, the staff is big enough that you couldn't like strap it to yourself anywhere. You'd have to be holding it. But like yeah. the claw, you could like tuck into a belt pouch. Possibly. What if I swallowed it? I mean, would it be left behind? It's poisonous. I'm not saying I'm going to do it. It's a hypothetical universe in which I don't die from poison. I mean, in that case, it means you probably can't eat right before you phase either. Can you imagine, like, eating a hamburger and then you try to phase and it, like, forces its way out your stomach? I hate this. It's like Casper the Friendly Ghost up in or, here. Exactly. It just disappears and I'm really hungry again. Well, I, I'm, I'm less worried about it disappearing. I'm worried about the, like, physical ramifications of having a physical body. Well, I guess if you're phasing at the time... <laughs> That's less horrifying than it was in my head if you are at inactive phase. Okay, that makes... Okay, we're good, we're fine. I was going to, like, a weird horror place, and now we're back. Was going. Ooh. I was in the meat place, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could all see Zen. <laughs> I know. Uh. <sighs> Zan's face is roughly the same color as my very coral-colored shirt. Oh, I got yep. Okay. Oh, good. So I have an answer to all of this. <laughs> oh, okay. <gasps> you take with you when you phase anything that you have on you, including your weapons, including anything else. Okay. The difference is whether or not you can interact with anything else. Your transdimensional staff allows you to, while out of phase, physically hit something. Ooh. So, given this, this means that you would need to phase out right next to the creatures. Yeah. The cyclic raiders. Yes. Phase back into form. Yes. Hit them with a physical object. And then if you want to get back, you'd have to phase out again. Oh, that's kind of, I was picturing You can't anyway. interact with anything yeah. when you are out of phase, but you bring everything with you. Or you can be out of phase and just keep hitting them with the stick and they can't hit you back. That's also true. So the question is, do I want to put myself in more danger? This is a collective strategy question, not a morality one. I don't care what happens to me. It's fine. But should I... Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. 
Jaskira speaks up. I very much care what happens to all of you. You are not only the ones that are planning all of this, but I've become very fond of you in the past uh, few days, and I think you should take into consideration your own safety. I'm... I mean, I'm fond of you too, but this whole time we've been running today, I've been going over the trolley problem in my head, and I have to say, I will jump in the fray. It's going to happen anyway. But anyway, let me get back to my point. What do we want to do? Because the answer could be not that. So I could phase in, phase back, stab, and then phase out again. And that's a higher damage probability. Or I can give somebody else or, or give small rin back the claw, and then I can still phase in and go whap, 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 whap. But it's going to be less damage, so I guess... I think because the claw also deals paralytic damage, mm. we want one of them slow enough that we can take the box. Okay. So I think if you phase through the barrier... Yes. Phase back in, stab. Yes. Phase out and start hitting. Yes. Then Nehemiah and I can come through and can help with the hitting, but also grab the slow one. I think it's a deal. I'm ready when everybody else is ready. Is there anything else you would like to do to prepare before... Can I give each person a hug? Every single person in the entire group? I feel it would take too long. <laughs> you can. <laughs> I mean, maybe a well, real quick group hug right here, right there's now. Nothing, there's nothing stopping you from doing so. I'm, I'm going to start making sure to ask politely that it is all right before I do so. Uh, until it is time that everybody else is ready to go. You get a group hug with most of them. <laughs> I was going to say, I, some people don't like to be touched. Exactly. I've got now some. Now Chase has the idea face on. Ooh. Mm, that's true. We love an idea face. I have the mind mastery <laughs> device. Well, oh, wait, wait a that's minute. That's mass influence. That mass influence? Mm-hmm. Oh, how many of them were there? Do we know? We don't. Okay. More than one. That's a mass of some kind, I suppose. <laughs> that's enough to make it worth it. Yeah. I think this is a good plan to start with, the one that we've got, but my first salvo is going to be to pop that. Okay. So what? how exactly does it work? So the mind mastery device is a level nine cipher that can control the actions of an entire mob. Once the device is active, all thinking beings of the same species or type within a long range, as long as they are already within a similar mindset or mood, which would work here, they're all in the mood of of attack you, uh, that aggression, can be given verbal suggestions, which they will try to follow as though the user were a beloved leader. Mm Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Wait, no. Give it to Jory. We need to make Jory a cult leader again. <laughs> I was born for this. Give it to Jory. You you phase through, you stab one of them, and then you pop that thing. See what happens if you disobey me. Although if you pop that thing, we might not have to stab one of them. <laughs> That's kind of my thought, actually. Oh my. The, the effect lasts for ten minutes. Oh. Plenty of time. <laughs> Although... The final suggestion can have a minor, long-lasting, possibly even permanent effect if desired. Something to the effect of, don't trust the woman with the red hat. Or, don't go to this place. Or, run back to Symphony and never return. Sure. And drop all your stuff before you go, because that will just Mm -hmm. weigh you down. Wink, wink. I think there's an extent. Well, and also, like, we that's the final suggestion. There are other suggestions we can make before that, such as, give me your thing. Yeah. (laughs) Give me the stuff. Can I... I forget how I tried 
last time because I know I investigated, but do I have a second to try again to figure out what my mystery cipher does? I yeah, know it's sure. I know it's communication based, mm. but beyond that, I don't think I gleaned any more information. Here's what I'm going to do. Yes, you've never looked into this in the presence of the three people here before. Oh. Mm. You take it out and you start looking at just like you you all are going through all of your items like maybe this or maybe that or what about this? And Jory, you bring out this device. You're like, maybe this, but I still don't know what this is. It could make toast. I don't know. Could make, could. Could make toast. It doesn't make toast. <laughs> That's disappointing. It's very sad. <laughs> Been going all this time and we have not seen one toaster. <laughs> I'm sure Fahura has a toaster. I'm sure she does. She's crafty that way. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the Rufus made her a toaster. The Avengers post-credit version of us is just going to be us eating toast in the yes. We're in the first tree We're in eating, the first toast. Tree eating toast. Yep, yep. It's a good toast spot. Edos hears this thing that you have taken out of your pack. They go, "Where did you find that?" Long story in a, a very highly secured thing. Yes. I've seen things like that before. Go on. I don't know that I have a name for it, but that is a beacon of sorts. This is something that will call forth some very ancient entity. A nefarious one or a benevolent one? They usually aren't automatically hostile, but they're usually things that prior worlds might consider deities, Though I think that's not something that really translates now, but some sort of very large, very old being. They tend to get bored very quickly. Hmm. The stories tell of these things coming and wanting to help initially, but then becoming disinterested and playing with or destroying those around it. I'm going to put this back in my pocket. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like something that would be terrible helpful now or possibly at any point in the future. It could serve as a distraction, should you need it. But how long is something like a deity going to hang about? If I were to release whatever this is here and we were to succeed and we were to return back to where we belong and then there's a deity loose in this place causing all sorts of rubbish to happen. It's hard to say. Again, most of these I know from storybooks. Mm. Any idea of telling what kind of deity this would be or where did you find this exactly it was on the way to oh, what was it the second one now i can't think of. the ogarek yes that one was this one of the things you got from the vending machine yes it was <laughs> highly secure got it from the cypher gashapon <laughs> yes. yep i got it from a vending machine on a <laughs> road <did>. trip <laughs> i did <laughs> Uh, did I win some? We stopped at one of those rest stops yeah, and it exactly. had like one of those turn things. You just had we, a, we all put a couple quarters in. I think it was a cup. Yeah, Jory got a god in a Pokeball. <laughs> <laughs> My only thought is, as much as I would hate to leave a rampaging bored god creature in a realm with friends, Smallrin kind of makes a sound in Jaskira's direction. There's also the possibility that some ancient being could be kept quite interested for quite a long while trying to fight the quietude. Perhaps. The quietude is kind of boring, isn't it? Although really, I don't know that we'll need it. 
Yes. How about last resort? I'll keep it in my pocket. If everything looks like it's going to absolute garbage, I'll bust out a god. <laughs> I like that Jory... Jory... Again, Jory has a god and a Pokeball. And that's like our plan T. <laughs> but as Chase said last time, never go with plan T. <laughs> Unless it's Penday. T-A-T. Oh my god, T-E-A-T. A T is plan A every time, but plan T is not plan A. It's oh, gosh. Further down. You. And, but, oh, boy. <laughs> anyway. As you are talking, you hear Delamon scream again. Okay. Something about eels. <laughs> oh, it seems should... to be his war cry at this oh, point. Oh, I was going to say, is he fighting eels and cyclocraters simultaneously? <laughs> I think probably just the cyclic raiders. Eels is just the go-to word. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, we should get out I there. toss Jory the mind mastery device. Wapa! Okay, I've got it. All right. Are we ready? Let's go for the cult hat trick. Uh, okay. Thank you so much for listening to episode 68 of Imprinted Echoes. Normally, I plug our Patreon a little bit later in my outro spiel. But I want to let you know that a few of the details uncovered in this episode are directly linked to some of our Patreon content. The imprinted Echoes editions of the audio episodes there are from a few pre-season sessions that I ran. It's the players you've come to know and love who are portraying NPCs from Legam, and they encountered some things that you might now find very familiar. If you'd like to access that content, as well as the content from the other amazing shows on our network, you can find the link to our Patreon on our website, imprintedechoes.com. And to that end, I would like to thank Duval, Chuck, and Kyle for supporting us there. Of course, if you'd like to help us out in other ways, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and tell a friend about the show. As always, if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Imprinted Echoes. And you can find our hosts on Twitter. Myself at Covered in Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget. And be sure to follow our network, Ghostlight Media, at GLM Pods. Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you'll be back in another two weeks to hear another episode of Imprinted Echoes. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Imprinted Echoes is produced by Zan Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenlee and is edited by Alex Berkowitz. Original show theme music is by Justin Longacre. This has been a Ghost Light Media production.